Hello and welcome to My Daily Trivia. I'm your host, Danny. Today is Wednesday, August 23rd, and I hope you're having a wonderful day. If this is your first time listening, I want to say welcome. My Daily Trivia is a 10-round quiz show with no specific themes, no specific topics, and no specific categories. We do, however, have a new episode every day, Monday through Friday, with each day getting progressively harder. So that means that today is Wednesday, which means that today will be pretty much right in the center in terms of difficulty. As always, if you do find this episode to be a bit challenging, I encourage you to listen to it anyway. In fact, I encourage you to listen to the rest of the week. You never know, you might surprise yourself and you might even learn something along the way. If, however, you find this episode to be a bit simple, maybe a little too easy, well, check in tomorrow, check in on Thursday, check in on Friday, and we will make it a little bit harder. So with that, let's get on to today's round of questions with question number one. What is the process called when an atom gains or loses electrons and becomes charged? And that process is called ionization. Ionization is the process by which an atom or a molecule acquires a negative or positive charge by gaining or losing electrons, often in conjunction with other chemical changes. The resulting electrically charged atom or molecule is called an ion. Ionization can result from the loss of an electron after collisions with subatomic particles, collisions with other atoms, molecules, and ions, or through the interaction with electromagnetic radiation. Heterolytic bond cleavage and heterolytic substitution reactions can result in the formation of ion pairs. Ionization can occur through radioactive decay by the internal conversion process, in which an excited nucleus transfers its energy to one of the inner shell electrons, causing it to be ejected. A famous example of this occurs in the northern lights. When solar winds move through the magnosphere, it alters the movements of charged particles in the Earth's atmosphere, resulting in the ionization of these particles, causing them to emit light. Now, I live in the northern United States. I've seen the northern lights a few times, and I would recommend to anybody to go see them if they haven't seen them, because for me, that form of ionization is quite remarkable. Moving on to question number two. Which city is known as the Windy City in the United States? And that city is Chicago. Now, for the American listeners out there, this might have seemed like a, an easy question, but just remember, we do have an international audience as well, so I tried to keep this maybe in the middle of the, of the round. A lot of our American questions can go either way for folks. However, the Windy City is the city of Chicago. In fact, the city of Chicago has been known by many nicknames, but it is widely recognized as the Windy City. The earliest known reference to the Windy City was actually to Green Bay in 1856. That's, that's Green Bay, Wisconsin. There are several main possibilities to explain, uh, explain the, the reason why the nickname is stuck in Chicago, the first being the weather. While Chicago is widely known as the Windy City, 
it is not the windiest city in the United States. Some of the windier cities are uh, are Dodge City, Kansas, and Amarillo, Texas, among among others. Another potential explanation was rivalry. In fact, the first known repeated effort to label Chicago with this nickname is from 1876 and involves Chicago's rivalry with Cincinnati. The newspapers in Cincinnati, Ohio, repeatedly used the moniker Windy City in the year 1876 in an effort to demean their rival city. A fun fact, and something that made me laugh, was that Cincinnati was well known in the meatpacking trade, and it was actually called Porkopolis. That's right, you heard that, that, you heard that right, that is Porkopolis from at least 1843. Starting in the early 1860s, Chicago actually surpassed Cincinnati in this trade and proudly claimed the very same Porkopolis nickname. Uh, It's hilarious to think that they would fight over this nickname, and that kind of made me laugh. I think Windy City is a much better nickname than Porkopolis. So once again, the Windy City is Chicago, Illinois. Moving on to question number three. What is the capital city of South Korea? And that capital city is Seoul. Seoul, that's S-E-O-U-L. Seoul is officially known as the Seoul Special City. It is the capital and largest metropolis of the Republic of Korea, a.k.a. South Korea. According to the 2020 census, Seoul has a population of 9.9 million people and forms the heart of the Seoul capital area with the surrounding Incheon metropolis and pardon my pronunciation here, the Ginnigi province. Considered to be a global city and related as an alpha city, Seoul was the world's fourth largest metropolitan economy in 2014, following Tokyo, New York City, and Los Angeles. Seoul was rated Asia's most livable city, with the second highest quality of life globally in 2015, with a GDP per capita of around 40,000 US dollars with major technology hubs centered in Gangnam and Digital Media City the Seoul capital area is home to the headquarters of 15 Fortune Global 500 companies including Samsung LG and Hyundai while doing research for this question i was actually curious about where the name came from especially since apparently they call it Seoul special city I did some digging and found out that it came from uh, after World War II and Korea's liberation of Japan, the city took its present name, which originated from the Korean word meaning capital city. So I guess, technically speaking, it, you know, in Korean, it would mean capital city, special city. So that sounds like quite a, uh, quite a better nickname than, than Porkopolis. Uh, but that is Seoul, South Korea the capital city. Moving on to question number four. What is the estimated maximum age of a saguaro cactus in its natural habitats? The answer there is 200 years. 
The saguaro is a tree-like cactus species in the monotypic genus Carnegia that can grow to be over 12 meters or 40 feet tall. It is native to the Sonoran Desert in Arizona, the Mexican state of Sonora, and the Whipple Mountains and Imperial County areas of California. Saguaros have a relatively long lifespan, often exceeding 150 years. It is estimated that under the right growing conditions, a saguaro could max out at about 200 years. They may grow their first sidearm around 75 to possibly 100 years of age, but some never grow any arms at all. Arms are developed to increase the plant's reproductive capacity, as more apices lead to more flowers and fruit. A saguaro can absorb and store considerable amounts of rainwater, visibly expanding in the process while slowly using the stored water as needed. This characteristic enables the saguaro to survive during periods of drought. It is a keystone species and provides food and habitat to a large number of species. Something interesting that I learned is that a saguaro grows so slow that a 10-year-old plant might only be about one and a half inches tall. So, if you see one that's taller than you, it's probably older than you too. Question number five. In the movie, The Silence of the Lambs, what is the nickname given to the serial killer, Dr. Hannibal Lecter? And his nickname was the Cannibal, so Hannibal the Cannibal. Dr. Hannibal Lecter is a character created by the American novelist Thomas Harris. Lecter is a serial killer who eats his victims. Before his capture, he was a respected forensic psychiatrist. After his incarceration, he is consulted by FBI agents Will Graham and Clarice Starling to help them find other serial killers. He has appeared in Thomas Harris's thrillers, the film Manhunter, the movie Silence is the Lambs, as well as another movie and TV show both called Hannibal. In 2003, Lecter, portrayed by Hopkins, was named the greatest villain in American cinema by the American Film Institute. So once again, his nickname was Cannibal. You can remember this by saying Hannibal the Cannibal. Kind of fun, I, I guess, in some weird way. Moving on to question number six. Which famous brothers are credited with inventing and building the world's first successful powered airplane? Uh, and bonus points if you can get their first names. And those brothers are the Wright brothers. Did you get their first names right as well? If you did, congratulations. That is Orville Wright and Wilbur Wright. Orville and Wilbur Wright were American aviation pioneers generally credited with inventing, building, and flying the world's first successful motor-operated airplane. They made the first controlled, sustained flight of a powered, heavier-than-air aircraft with the Wright Flyer on December 17, 1903, four miles south of Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, at what is now known as Kill Devil Hills. The brothers were also the first to invent aircraft controls that made fixed-wing powered flight possible. 
1904 to 1905, the Wright brothers first developed their flying machine to make longer running and more aerodynamic flights with the Wright Flyer II, followed by the first truly practical fixed-wing aircraft, the Wright Flyer III. The brothers' breakthrough was their creation of a three-axis control system, which enabled the pilot to steer the aircraft effectively and to maintain its equilibrium. This method remains standard on fixed-wing aircraft of all kinds even to this day. Orville and Wilbur decided who would fly that first day with actually a coin toss. Uh, Wilbur won the toss, but his first attempt actually failed, so Orville went second and managed to fly for, for 12 whole seconds. Later that day, Wilbur flew their plane for 59 seconds over a distance of 852 feet. So once again, credited with inventing and building the world's first powered airplane. That was the Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur. Moving on to question number seven. Before launching her solo music career, Christina Aguilera was part of what children's television series? And the answer there is the Mickey Mouse Club. Following numerous contests as a child, she earned the reputation in the neighborhood as, quote, little girl with a big voice, and received attention from local television and radio programs. In 1990, she performed the popular song, A Sunday Kind of Love, on the reality competition show Star Search, but was eliminated during the semifinal round. Aguilera eventually was invited to sing the Star Spangled Banners before Pittsburgh hockey games, Pittsburgh Steelers football, and Pittsburgh Pirate baseball games, as well as during the 1992 Stanley Cup Finals. In 1991, Aguilera auditioned for a position on the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, which aired on the Disney Channel. She ran against 400 candidates, and while she made the shortlist, she was ultimately rejected for not meeting the minimum age requirement. One year later, in 1992, Aguilera received a call from one of the show's producers asking if she was still interested in becoming a Mouseketeer. She once again competed for a spot, uh, this time against 15,000 candidates, and was selected to join the Variety program the following year. Her fellow cast members included Ryan Gosling, Carrie Russell, Britney Spears, and Justin Timberlake, all of whom were on the Mickey Mouse Club with Christina Aguilera. Moving on to question number eight. What term is used to describe a large, flat area of land elevated above its surroundings and typically bounded by steep slopes or cliffs? And that is called a mesa. A mesa is an isolated, flat-topped elevation, ridge, or hill, which is bounded from all sides by steep escarpments and stands distinctly above a surrounding plain. Mesas characteristically consist of a flat-lying, soft, sedimentary rocks capped by a more resistant layer or layers of hard rock. The resistant layer acts as a cap rock that forms the flat summit of a mesa. The cap rock consists of either sedimentary rocks such as sandstone and limestone, dissected lava flows, or a deeply eroded dirty crust. Unlike plateaus, 
whose usage does not imply horizontal layers of bedrock, for example, the Tibetan plateau, the term mesa applies exclusively to the landforms built of flat-lying strata. The Grand Mesa is a large mesa in western Colorado in the United States. It is the largest flat-topped mountain in the world. It has an area of about 500 square miles, which is roughly 1,300 kilometers squared. It stretches for about 40 miles. If, now, if you, said, uh, if you said Butte as your answer instead of Mesa, I probably would have accepted that too. I actually did some digging, and it seems they are virtually the same thing, according to, uh, according to the National Geographic Society. The only difference is that buttes are usually smaller. So, again, Mesa, correct response, but if you had said buttes, I probably would have taken it. Moving on to question number nine. In basketball, what is the term for a shot attempt that goes through the hoop without touching the rim or the backboard? And that is called a swish. A swish in basketball occurs when the ball goes directly through the hoop without touching the backboard or the rim. The ball traveling through the hoop sounds like a swish, hence the phrase. Basketball players from high school to the NBA can admire that sound because it represents a perfect basketball shot. It is not necessarily known where the phrase was first used, but in a 1913 book called The Coward, the protagonist is playing college basketball and describes the ball going straight through the basket with a swish. Uh, following this book, then the term was used quite widely. Another common phrase for this same thing is known as nothing but net, implying that the ball did not hit the rim, did not hit the backboard. In fact, it hit nothing but net. So once again, that is called a swish. Moving on to our final question of the day. Question number 10. Which country is known for its famous Stonehenge monument? And that country is England. Stonehenge is a prehistoric monument on Salisbury Plain in Wiltshire, England, two miles or three kilometers west of Amesbury. It consists of an outer ring of vertical sarsen standing stones, each around 13 feet or about four meters high, seven feet or about two meters wide, and weighing around 25 tons, topped by connecting horizontal lintel stones. Inside is a ring of smaller blue stones. Inside these are freestanding trilithons, two bulkier vertical sarsens joined by one lintel. The whole monument, now ruinous, is aligned towards the sun on the summer solstice. The stones are set within earthworks in the middle of the densest complex of Neolithic and broad Bronze Age monuments in England, including several hundred burial mounds. Archaeologists believe that Stonehenge was constructed from around 3000 BC to maybe 2000 BC. The surrounding circular earth bank and ditch, which constitutes the earliest phase of the monument, have been dated to about 3100 BC, that's about 5000 years ago. Radiocarbon dating suggests that the first blue stones were raised between 2400 
in 2200 BC, although they may have been at the site as early as 3000 BC. Now, a 12th century explanation, so that would be about, uh, about the year 1300, an explanation that existed back then of Stonehenge was that giants placed Stonehenge on a mountain, mountain in Ireland before the wizard Merlin magically moved the stone circle to England. Now, I personally find this story much more entertaining, and although it's not likely, I do hope some parts of it are true. Now that will conclude this round of My Daily Trivia. If you found this round to be simple, I encourage you to check in tomorrow. We're going to make it a little bit more challenging. If, however, you found this round to be a bit uh, a bit difficult, I encourage you to check in anyway. You never know. You might uh, you might learn something. You might even know some answers anyway. I want to thank each of you again for listening to My Daily Trivia. I want to uh, ask each of you to tell your friends, tell your family. We're always trying to grow the, uh, the community here at My Daily Trivia. Once again, I'm your host, Danny, and I will see all of you tomorrow. Tomorrow.